Welcome to our podcast, Behind the Build, where we deep dive into topics that impact the ways we build the extraordinary. I'm your host, Erica Jones, VP of Marketing, and today's episode will include important company updates from around the Strategic Center. So let's jump on in. My guests today are Tim Chadwick, CEO, and Dustin DeWitt, CFO. So before we dive into everything we're going to cover today, I will welcome them and uh, wanted to say hi to Dustin and see how your summer's been and what you guys have been up to. Well, thank you, Erica. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, Summer has been busy, as you can imagine. Um, Two young kids in sports, so if we're not uh, at the baseball field or on the golf course or the soccer field. So if I'm not working here, you can see me at a sports complex around the city. Yes, roasting in our Kansas City heat for sure. And uh, Tim, welcome. How has your summer been? Well, thank you. It's always awesome to be invited to Behind the Build podcast. Uh, It's hard to believe that we're already into the back half of 2023. Uh, I guess uh, they say time flies when you're having fun, and so 2023 certainly flying by. Uh, Summer at our house has been uh, extremely quiet, Uh, a little bit of golf, a little bit of weekend travel. But it is important that everybody know that we are inside of 60 days from kicking off another college football season. And and I'm looking forward to being a part of attending and watching Kansas State defend the Big 12 championship. So thanks and uh, good to be here today. Yes, I'm excited to uh, see my Jayhawks um, kick off football season this year, too. Uh, Well, yes. So as you mentioned, it is it's crazy that it is already July And so we're going to kind of cover some things that have happened over the first half of 2023. And in our agenda today, we'll give some strategic plan updates. Dustin, you'll share financial performance updates. um, And then we will wrap up with some information on our safety performance, as well as an update on our MMC Corp Caring Heart Foundation. So, Tim, we'll start with you. Um, We're making good progress on the strategic plan. Our teams have a firmer understanding of our new structure and the benefits it brings with it. And hopefully people have been checking out the um, email communications that you send out with information on our new structure and design. And now each of our SBUs are working on their complementary strategic plans. As a refresher for our listeners, strategic objective number four reads... Create an intentional growth plan that links the strategic business units to the center and bridges calls to action and the end game. So, Tim, how will meeting this strategic objective help us achieve the end game? So, you know, our growth over the past 10 plus years uh, has certainly rewarded our employees with a tremendous amount of professional growth and, and opportunity in their career as well as uh, that growth has has rewarded our shareholders with a significant share value appreciation. However, I think at best, this growth has been what I would call semi-intentional. No doubt at times we've outpaced uh, the company's resources and capacity. Certainly, the end game focuses on our continuing uh, to be a growing organization. However, this type of growth uh, leadership is in agreement. It's not sustainable for the next 10 years. And and we've determined that we want our next growth spurt to be done in a more planned and a more intentional manner. And that's really how the intentional growth plan is set up to tie back to uh, the end game and our desire to continue to grow. Great. Um, so can you speak to where the SBUs are at in the process of creating 
their in their complementary plans and when they'll be complete? Sure. Uh, both the, the General Building Group and the MEP Contracting and Services Group, uh, those teams have been hard at work on their complementary strategic plans. However, they haven't just been working to develop a plan. They've also been doing a lot of strategic work that aligns with uh, the first tenant in the end game that requires key leadership across the organization to build and hone their strategic thinking capabilities. I know that they'd all like to be done. Uh, they'd like to be done probably much sooner than they're even telling me they're going to be done, but they are doing some really hard strategic work. I assure you it's not comfortable for any of them uh, either to do this work. However, I, I also will commit that they, uh, as well as the organization as a whole, is going to benefit from this investment uh, in their time. I'll give you just a, a short example uh, the Strategic Center's Intentional Growth Plan includes what we call governing principles, and these principles serve as a bridge really to make sure there's alignment between the, the SBU plans and the Strategic Center's plan. One of those principles is uh, making sure that we understand the talent capacity within each of our SBUs and then building a system uh, that will continuously monitor uh, and guide the same. Uh, and and as you can imagine, uh, that requires a tremendous amount of work, uh, and that work is currently uh, being accomplished in the strategy room uh, on both the general building and the MEP uh, strategic business units. So what I'm hearing from you is that a lot of this work in building these plans, the work is actually happening as they're building out the tactics and Absolutely. everything that's going to be rolled out. They're already working on the plan. No differently than, than we did when we when we put together the Strategic Center's strategic plan. Yep, for sure. So when do you think that we will start seeing the impact of those complementary plans across the company? Well, as I've already mentioned, the work hasn't been completed. Uh, so there haven't been any deliverables distributed that uh, anyone can physically see and, and check any boxes. But I think uh, it's important that everyone knows, and please take my word for it, that that the work that's being done in the strategy room is already having an impact across the company. Okay. In our calls to action, we talk about making strategic trade-offs. Will you talk about the sale of Countywide as an example of this? Sure, and that's, uh, that's probably a nice segue. I would say the sale of Countywide was also uh, the result of a lot of strategic work that's been done over the past couple of years. You know, it's obvious that many people across the organization probably believe that it was poor financial performance or maybe the rigors of, of working inside of the state of California that drove uh, this decision, maybe both of those things. However, um, you know, the transaction honestly started uh, back in the strategy room as we confronted the mindset shifts that we needed to make uh, if we were going to capitalize on the full potential behind uh, our inflection point. If you will, just think about a few of our calls to action that are included in, in the strategic plan. Moving from independent companies and brands to organized strategic business units that are part of an integrated whole. Removing the fuzziness from our view of the future and replacing that fuzziness with strategic clarity. And then third, resolving conflicting internal dynamics by making strategic trade-off decisions. You know, once we recognized uh, and we organized into our new structure, aligning in the strategic business units, 
it was abundantly clear that, that countywide was somewhat out of place and not truly a proper fit inside of the MEP strategic business unit. Uh, and that in and of itself was contributing to some of the fuzziness uh, that, that we were trying to clear up for our future. Strategic objective number two in the plan commits to the fact that we will uh, make strategic trade-offs. And, you know, we did made that commitment in the plan knowing that, that not everyone will win uh, in a trade-off. But as hard as it was for myself and others to stand out in front of our teammates uh, in California at Countywide and deliver to them, of the news of the cell, we also knew it was a decision that, that was supported uh, and supporting a stronger future and, uh, and more clarity surrounding uh, our company as we move forward. Thank you so much for that, Tim. And I know that uh, obviously that was not an easy decision um, and certainly was in line with our strategic plan and, and you know, the strategic trade-offs that you're talking about. So thank you for that update. So moving on to Dustin, on the topic of growth, Dustin, let's switch gears to a bit to discuss our mid-year financials. Um, can you walk us through where we stand through Q1 in relation to the original business plans for 2023? Yeah, absolutely, Erica. I'll start with Q1 results, and then I will transition over to our updated 2023 business plan. Great. So on top line from a revenue standpoint, revenue came in at $286 million compared to an original plan of $306 million. Income before ICP and ESOPCOMP was at $8.3 million compared to the original plan of $11.2 million. So from a top line standpoint, we were short about $20 million, and then from a bottom line standpoint, short about $3 million. Really two uh, primary factors for that. Weather really affected our top line, which is typical this time of year. And then erosion had a significant impact on our bottom line. Unfortunately, erosion topped almost $7.7 million in Q1, kind of continued the trend that we saw in 2022. And really subsequent to 331, we had additional erosion of $1.3 million that continues to hurt earnings. I think the good news there is the worst is behind us. Um, I don't anticipate seeing that significant erosion going forward, but it did have a, a good impact on 2000 or the Q1 2023. Um, from a booking standpoint, good news there. We booked $300 million in Q1 compared to a plan of $270 million with a gross profit percentage of 7.5%. That helped build our backlog up to $1.5 billion on the top line and $118 million on the bottom line. So really strong numbers there. Uh, market still is strong for us. Now transitioning over to the 2023 full plan, and revenue is fairly flat, $1.27 billion compared to an original forecast of $1.28. So again, flat there. And then income before ICP and ESOP comp stands at $43.7 million compared to original plan of $44.7 million. So, uh, so far, um, holding ground there. And then from a blue sky standpoint, we have about $214 million to book and burn for the rest of the year. That's primarily on the service side. So not a lot of large construction we've got to find, just typically your, your service type work. And um, I assume that we've heard from our leaders that they're still feeling confident in in those booking goals. Absolutely. Uh, pipeline is strong. And I, I, I know even post Q1, we've booked quite a bit of work that are not in the figures that I just outlined. Great. Thank you so much. So one thing that just recently was updated is our ESOP distribution policy. Can you tell us what changed with that? Yeah, absolutely. So the board in Q1 approved a new distribution policy, 
And beginning in January 1, 2024, employee owners who terminate their employment with the company will receive a one-time lump sum payout of their ESOP balance. So under the new policy, you'll be paid out in the first year following the next December 31st company valuation. So for example, if you term at any point in 2024, you'll receive your full balance in 2025 based off of the 1231-2024 share price. Um, as a reminder, the current policy, which is in place up through 1231-2023, it's a three-year payout. And does this affect everybody in the entire organization? Every employee owner. Okay. And um, if anybody needs a little bit more information on that, um, there is an announcement on the intranet called The Blueprint, if you want to check that out as well. So we've talked a lot over the past year about the principles of ownership you know, our listeners have had an opportunity to read about them quite a bit, um, especially through Tim's communications that we send out in our Tim Talks series that is on the blueprint. When it comes to reaching our forecast, despite some of the challenges you just talked about and that we've seen over the first half of the year, are there any of the principles that could apply in helping us achieve these goals? I think all three apply. The, the one that kind of sticks out to me is the assume the benefits and the risks of ownership. You know, the risk there is that erosion figure and $7.6 million that walked right out the door in Q1. That's all earnings that could have helped grow our share price. So on the flip side, the positive is if we clean that up, just cut it in half, imagine what that can do to our share price. So I think everyone here, regardless of position, has an important role to play there to either help with that, collect cash, you know, execute work, manage, um, you name it, but it's the whole ownership, thinking like an owner that can really help that share price. Great. Thank you so much for your update, Dustin. Tim, June was safety month, and we say it often, but it bears repeating, ensuring our team members making it home safely at the end of the day is priority number one for us. So can you tell us what are some of the current initiatives that Tate Tyree and the rest of our safety leaders are working on to continue keeping our teammates safe? Sure. Um, Tate and the safety leaders just recently convened their annual safety summit, and they came away uh, with a really good list of things that they've shared with me that they want to implement and or improve upon in 2023. I'll share with the, with you today just a few of the initiatives uh, that are on that list. It includes first, uh, developing a more streamlined and consistent approach to the safety orientation process that's aimed at addressing the fact that we have a much higher injury rate among our newly hired craft workers. Uh, the group also reviewed a new program that's called Safe Smart. Safe Smart is a behavior-based safety program that focuses on thought leadership and truly discovering insights into the human factors that drive safety performance. Uh, the goal, obviously, of the, the Safe Start program is to drive uh, consistency within all of our safety programs, which uh, data will say in turn will generate more reliable outcomes. And then finally, uh, the team evaluated some additional tools that are already currently available to us through our SAMSERA camera program. This is aimed at being able to continue to further mitigate. Uh, you know, there's a lot of risks out there uh, on the highway and to continue to mitigate the risks uh, that are out there while our employees are behind the wheel. Thank you so much. Um, that's a lot of obviously great work that they're doing to try to stay proactive and not just reactive when it comes to safety of our of our people. 
Um, in addition to that, we recently released Health Under the Hat materials focused on mental health and suicide prevention. How does this relate to our philosophy on safety and why is it important for us to treat mental health as health and safety too on job sites and in the office? At MMC Corp, we consider safety to be a fundamental value that includes the well-being of all of our employees, whether they're on the job or whether they're uh, on their personal time. Uh, and this includes mental health. And by emphasizing mental health through awareness programs, such as our Health Under the Hat program, we hope we can better foster a work environment that supports both our employees' emotional well-being as well as their physical well-being. Mental health challenges can, can obviously impair and negatively impact decision-making and concentration, uh, both of which have the potential, obviously, to, to lead to an accident. So by recognizing and addressing mental health concerns, uh, we believe we stand a better chance to be there to help first during a mental health crisis, uh, but also to reduce the risk of injury, which both promote a, a safer work environment. Thank you for the update, and thanks to Tate Tyree and all of our safety leaders across the organization working to make sure that our people are not only going home safe, but feel like they are in a safe environment every day. So let's move on to our final update, which is about our MMC Corp Caring Heart Foundation. I know that our foundation has been hard at work onboarding its first ever board of directors. And this month, we'll begin a series of communications outlining in detail what the foundation oversees and how our people can partake. Um, but I'd love to ask you guys real quickly to just touch on a couple of those things. So, Dustin, can you remind us about the eight hours of paid volunteer available to employees and how they can use it? Yeah, absolutely. So, again, a reminder, all employees receive eight paid volunteer hours to use at their discretion. It's really a great company benefit, and the intent of that is for employees to get out and impact their community in any way they would like. A um, couple examples, you can go out and help your school, volunteer at your church, anything at your community, but the key is get out there, use those hours, and record those hours too. In Keystyle, there's a drop-down box where you can check volunteer hours. If you have questions, uh, reach out to anyone in the accounting department or payroll, but please get out there and use those volunteer hours. Great. And in addition to that, um, we also obviously had added in the past couple of years a, a day of giving on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So that's an additional eight hours that people have in addition to this, um, which I think is just a fantastic benefit for our people to be able to give back to causes that are near and dear to their hearts. So, Tim, the Employee Donation Matching Program is another exciting program that now lives under the foundation can you please share how folks can take advantage of this program to increase the impact they have on charitable organizations? Sure. And this is a program that I don't think gets as much use as we would like for it to. Hopefully we can uh, improve that this year. And hopefully all of our employees know that the company has a program in place to match any of our employees' personal charitable contributions up to $500 per year to any 501c3 charity of their choice. It's a pretty simple process to request a donation match. Uh, just go to the community engagement page on the blueprint, and there's a button there that you can hit to, to submit a match request. And all of these requests are, are being matched so long as the charity is a 501c3. I love that. And I do hope that people truly take the opportunity to take advantage of that. I even last weekend made a donation in honor of a friend's 
family member who passed away to an organization that was really important to them. And it was super easy to just simply forward that receipt that came through to get a match for it. So I, I love that we make it so easy for people to be able to give back. Thank you both for your time today and for sharing these key updates about the organization with our employees across the country. I'm excited about the new format. I know it's not quite as entertaining as a true crime podcast that might be out there or or the others of your choice that you love listening to. But hopefully this provided some really important information for all of you around the company. And I look forward to the next company update. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks, Erica. <laughs>